there is nothing I would say that you have not heard. Let me just say this. There is nothing I'm going to say. I was listening the other day and I heard, I was watching the Logic Conference that you had and it was amazing. And I said, if people like Prof are saying things and the church is completing the sentence, I'm like, this is a dangerous place to preach. I don't have any message. Let me just, worship us, come back. To, I'm just joking. No, I, I don't have any message. I'm just going to do what um, God has um, deposited in my spirit. I have an assignment from Luke 15 verse 1 through verse 2. And I know that um, the first lady is not here, but I want us to also celebrate the gift of God in her life. It's not easy to support what God is doing. Come on, I want you to clap louder than you clap for your pastor, please. Very important. Very, very important. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 15. Now, because this is a Bible church, I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. Um, so Luke 15, it's the story of the prodigal son. And I'm going to try to extrapolate some of the concepts that would help us um, understand this gospel of grace. Amen. Luke 15 verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. And maybe I'll just pick a couple of verses there because we already know the story of the prodigal son. I wanted to do something for, I don't know, I, I, who are the people that have that came here for the first time? People, I don't know if you have some copies of those books. I, I want to give out like 10 copies of the book. You have it, come on. I just, um, I believe that is, it's, you can say you support people, but when you support them for real, that's when you really support them. So um, if this is your first time of coming to the Logic Church, I just want to see you. If this is your first time, please, can you, can you help us give anybody that this is your first time to come to the Logic Church? If that's your first time of coming to the Logic Church, I want, to, I want to bless you with this book. Anybody, this is the first time of coming to the Logic Church. Who here doesn't have this book? Who? How can you guys have not bought the book of you? Ah! Jesus wept. Oh my goodness. Just, just help me distribute the books. To anybody you say, but if you don't have the book, can you just raise your hands? Even the people that had the book already, I ah, ah, how did I multiply these fish and loaves in just one second? Okay, okay, let's let's just give out the book to whoever you want. Just just give it out. Anybody, just raise your hands. Go ahead and give anyone that you can see. Actually, that's a very good idea. Who said I love Nigeria? Ah, it's a give fat dads first. Ah, I didn't even think about it. <laughs> Luke chapter 15. He <laughs> said, give fathers first. <laughs> what about the mothers? <laughs> okay, let's go ahead. Luke 15 verse 1 to verse, verse 1 and verse 2. And then we're going to skip over to verse 11 to 32. I actually feel I need to do more of that actually before the service is over. But we'll talk about that later. Luke 15 verse 1 through verse 2. Then we'll skip over to verse 15. I'm going to pick on a few verses because there are a lot of scriptures we're going to read, but we already know this verse. 15 verse 1 says, Then all the tax collectors, I'm going to use the new King James Version, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, This man, Jesus, receives sinners and he eats with them. Verse 11, and a certain man had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me. Everybody say, give me. Give me the portion. Give me what belongs to me. So he, he divided to them. Everybody say them. 
A lot of times we think he just gave the, the prodigal son, but we forget that he gave them the younger brother and the older brother. And many days after, somebody say many days after. It's important to realize that he did not leave immediately. Many days after, the younger son gathered everything and went to a far country. Somebody say far. And he wasted it on prodigal leaving. He wasted all of that. And we know the whole story, verse 15. And he joined himself to a citizen. Somebody say citizen. Citizen of the country. He left his father and joined himself to a citizen. Verse 17, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And yet I perish with hunger. I would arise and go back to my father and say, father, I have sinned. I need you to understand that the father never brought up the concept of sin, that the son was the one that brought up the concept of sin. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy. In other words, there was a point he thought he was worthy. This is the problem. He said, make me one of your hired servants. While he was a, 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 a great way afar, the father saw him, verse 20, and had compassion. Somebody say compassion. That word is loaded. Compassion and ran and kissed him and we know all of that. The father says, said to the servants, bring out the best robe, put on him, the sandals, all of that. And the older brother was in the field. I like the fact that they killed the calf before the older brother got back. So the blood was shed before he came back. So he called one of the servants and asked, what these things mean? He says, your brother has come back. Your father has received him safe and sound and he has killed. So before he came, he was already killed and he would not go in. And the father, it's, it's, it's amazing that the father came out for the younger brother and the older brother. Both of them. He said, the father said in verse 31, son, you are always with me. All I have is yours. It was only right that we should marry and be glad. For your brother was dead. He's alive. He was lost. He's found. Father, I ask for the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. I ask that you move from center to second, friends. Spirit of the living God, anything I've planned to say that you have not planned to say, take it out. And everything I've not planned to say that you have planned to say, put it back in. At the end of the day, beyond the excitement, let there be an experience. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. On your way to your seat, look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm better than this. And better than this. I'm better than this. I'm better than this. I want you to understand, church, that the grace of God is not just a person. The grace of God is a perspective. Everybody say perspective. The grace of God is not just a person. The grace of God is a perspective. The grace of God is a lens. It's a perspective. It's a paradigm. And when you don't understand this perspective, you cannot be effective. In fact, I always like to say when your perspective is defective, you cannot be effective. A lot of people are in a situation where they are not effective. You can have the right purpose, but when you don't have the right perspective, you will still be defective. God has called each and every one of us to different arenas. We have different purpose. We have different uses. We have different things we do in the body of Christ. You can be, you can be a pastor and you can be an engineer and you can be a doctor, whatever you are. You might have a different purpose, but we have the same perspective. And when people don't understand your perspective, they judge you based on your actions. 
And they judge you based on your actions, not based on your vision, not based on your perspective. I want to establish this foundation because every now and then we see people with eyesight accuse Jesus because they didn't, they didn't understand his insight. A lot of times. And, 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 and life will judge you. I always like to say, I'm not going to give you the privilege of having an argument with me if you've not had an agreement with me before. And a lot of times we want to have arguments with people that we've never had arguments with, we've never had agreements with before. I state this because a lot of times we argue with people about the message of grace. We argue with people and this is not a message to be argued about. This is the gospel and this is the good news. Whether you like it or yes, this is what Jesus came for. And grace is the message. And the reason I say grace is not just the message and just not just the person, but the perspective is that when you begin to look at the children of Israel, I believe it's in the book of Numbers 21. The Bible says that Jesus, the, the, God told them, if you can look at the serpent, you would leave. In other words, I want you to think about this. If you are beaten, the natural tendency for you is to look at where you are beaten. And God is saying that, no, no, no. Instead of you to look at where you are beaten, look unto Jesus. Because as the son of man was lifted, so, so, as the serpent was lifted, so is the son of man lifted. And I needed to understand that this is the perspective I need you to have at the back of your mind, regardless of what you're doing. That grace is not just a person, that grace is a perspective. I want to lay some foundation here. That grace is a perspective. And when you begin to understand this, you understand why Jesus told a parable. Because they were sinners. And they could not understand how the holy God could associate with the unholy. They could not understand how the righteous God could associate with the, with the unrighteous because they did not understand his purpose. Somebody say purpose. They did not understand his perspective. My Bible lets us know in Luke, the Bible says in Luke chapter 19 verse 10, that the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. I like the new King James version. It says the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not just the lost. So there are some things that was lost that the son of man has come to seek and to save. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Your position in Christ. He has come to seek and to save all of that. Your birthright. He has come to seek and to save all of that. The disciples understood this. But the Pharisees always had a problem with this. So Jesus began to tell this parable. I like this. Because just because you're working in your assignment doesn't mean everyone is in alignment with you. You can be working in your assignment and everybody's not in alignment with you. Look at this text. They, they, they did not understand Jesus' purpose and he was working in his purpose. Because Jesus did not come to do miracles. There were miracles before Jesus showed up. Jesus came to bring other sons to glory. And they could not understand this. So because you don't understand my vision, you cannot understand my actions. So he began to tell the story of the parable. And I just want to add something here. When you begin to look at this parable, there are certain things I want us to pull out of this text that would help us understand the perspective and the lens of the grace of God. Somebody say amen. amen. The first thing I want, to, I want to emphasize here is the offspring. Somebody say offspring. Come on, logic. Say offspring. 
The prodigal son was a son before he was prodigal. And I think that this is very, very important. Before they gave him a label, his father gave him a name. It's very important. I need you to understand that your pedigree is more powerful than your problems. It's important to understand that your family lineage is more powerful than your failures. It's important to understand that your sonship came before your hardship. And so he was in hardship, but what he had to understand is that before he was in hardship, he was already a son. They called him prodigal. They called him loser. They called him promiscuous. Whatever the label is, anything after your birth is already too late to define you. Anything. He was an offspring. Somebody said offspring. Somebody said offspring. And I know Pifler has taught you about sonship. He has, he, has, he has drenched you guys in teaching about sonship. And I want to add to that because it's very important to understand that when you begin to talk about sonship, I'm going to say something. It probably will not be controversial here, but in other places I speak, it might be controversial. But you don't have a covenant with God. And I think it's important. You see how easy it went? Other places they look at me like, what are you saying? I say, okay, let's back up. In Genesis, in Exodus, but I don't have to do that here. And it's easier because you don't have a covenant with God. Now, I don't have it. My son's name is Asher. I don't have a covenant with Asher. I have a covenant with my wife, Stephanie. So Asher is basically the beneficiary of the covenant. Marco Tapelada. So he is a recipient of the benefits. Now, now, there is what we call different degrees of light and truth. Now, we can say you are an ambassador of God, and that is true. But now, when you say you are one with Christ, you're no longer talking about covenant, you're talking about life. And you have to understand that an ambassador doesn't have the same blood and makeup as the governor. An ambassador, if I'm an, if I'm an ambassador of, of the U.S. to Nigeria, I don't have the same makeup and the same gene, the same blood, everything with, with, with Joe Biden. But if you are one with him, and if you are joined heads together with him, then everything that happens to him happens to you. And so you are not in covenant. I needed to establish this because there is power in sonship. You know the scripture already. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Somebody say, I am a son. I need to establish this because sonship is not a gender. Sonship is God's agenda. And a lot of times we don't understand that this has nothing to do with your feelings. Sonship is not a feeling. It's a fact. It's not an emotion. It's your position in Christ. This is what has been established. Somebody open Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. The Bible says, having predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. So what God is trying to tell us is that you were already predestined as a son. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. Romans chapter 8 verse 15. It says, it says for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I have a three-year-old daughter, Abigail. Abigail doesn't call me Pastor Rema. Abigail doesn't, call, she just says Dada. And listen, when I show up, I automatically know what she wants. 
Some days she says dada. She says the same name, but I have different responses. When she is, when she is hungry, she still says dada. When she is afraid, she still says dada. When she is broke, she still says dada. She doesn't say Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Abadis. No, 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 no. She says dada. And when dada shows up to the scene, dada accesses the situation and says, no, I'm going to show up as this. So when you call him father, somebody shout father. Let the devil know. Somebody shout father. Somebody shout father. Look at your name and tell them, I am a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a son. I'm a child of God. Galatians 4.6 We are starting. Galatians 4.6 Galatians 4.6 I want to use the living Bible. It says, and because we are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his sons into our hearts. So now we can rightly we can rightly speak. We can rightly speak to God as our dear father. We can speak to God. First John 3, 1. First, oh my goodness. Behold, what manner of, of love the Father has lavished, promiscuous love, has lavished on us that we might be called the sons and the children of God. Galatians three twenty six. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm trying to establish that before the prodigal son left, he was a son. I know what I did, but do you know who I am? How is it that you can remember what you did last night, but you cannot remember what Jesus did 2,000 years ago? How is it that the enemy can remind you about what you did last year. Do you remember what happened to you last month? Do you remember what happened to you last week? But the enemy also cannot, he cannot remind you of what Jesus did. If there is any past, you must focus on is the past of what Jesus did. I, I, I can't understand because the enemy reminds you of your past. He judges you based on your worst days. No, no, no. It's based on his worst day. Because Jesus had a bad day, so we can always have a good day. Somebody say, I am a son. I'm a son. Don't, don't lose that perspective. 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 You are not a son because of your behavior. You are a son because of your birthright. Don't lose that that perspective. Don't lose that perspective and paradigm. This is my beloved son. You know, when my son makes a mistake, I don't remind him of what he did. I remind him of who he is. I say, Asher, Asher, why, why would you do that? You're better than this. I don't say, Asha, why did you do that? You're stupid. You're an idiot. Do you know I brought you into this world? I will take you out. No, I don't say all of that. You know how we talk. I brought you into this world. I will take you out how I want. 
remind him, not of the condition, but his position. So that gradually he begins to align, train up a child. So he begins to align to the way he should go. Destiny, destined, predestined. Somebody say, he is an offspring. He was an offspring. (laughs) I am a child of God. I know what I did, but I am a child of God. I know what happened, but I'm a son of God. I know what you said, but I'm a son of God. I see through a different lens. I know what I did, but I know who I am. I am not what I did. I am who God says I am. Offspring, but I want to talk about off course. Because every now and then you would go off course. And you have to understand that you were an offspring before you went off course. You were an offspring before you went off course. The pro- there is so much. See, the prodigal son. <laughs> oh my goodness. The problem with this text is not the fact he asked for what belongs to him. In fact, that is faith. We are in a series called Faith. And you need to understand, where was your faith when Jesus died for you? Let me ask a question. Because a lot of times we make a big deal about this faith thing. Eh? Faith, faith, faith. And it, it, you have to put faith in its right place. Because you don't use faith to get God to give you things. You use faith to get the things that God has given you. Where was your faith when Jesus died? If it took your faith for Jesus to die. Ah, Jesus would not have died though. If Jesus was waiting for your mustard seed faith or mountain faith, it doesn't matter what type of faith. If Jesus was waiting for your faith to die. So my question, Minister Moses, my question is if we did not need faith for Jesus to die. He that did not spare his only begotten son, but freely, how will he, with him, that's the key word, with him, which means it's part of the package. So, so with him, this means that, this means that if I did not need faith before Jesus, the best thing that ever happened was given to me. Now I want a car and I'm, I'm, so, so, I did not need faith before Jesus was given. Now, I need a car, I need a house, I need a healing, I need a this. And you begin to shake and bind. And God is, God is calling in Jamaica and saying, who are those people? What are they looking for? Because your faith is used to get it. Not to get God to start producing it. And No, no, no. You already have it. That's why when it comes to salvation... Jesus is not dying because you ask. No, no, no. He, you receive what he has done already. So faith is used to receive what Jesus has already done. Sit down. You guys are making me scared. Sit down first of all. Piflo. Piflo. Do you know I was thinking about this already and God told me that it takes faith. More faith for the believer when he falls. I say, how? He said, because you now have, now, if I have been fasting and praying, you start vibrating. 
You come here, you're like, I'm filled with the power. Nothing they happen. You, 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 be, you feel like you are, you know how, you know Christians, you know how we do things. But if you just finish doing something crazy and wrong, and people say, um, so you believe in us in prayer today, they say, ah, prayer. Hey, prayer. Go, hey. Thank you, my voice is not good. All of a sudden, and God began to tell me, that is when you need faith to believe that you are not what you have done. That's when you need the lens. Thank you, my brother. You need the perspective. That is where faith kicks in. Because it's easy to say, I'm the righteousness of God till you fall. When you fall, then you quote it and it's not sounding heavy like people who say it in church. You say, why is my own not... It's not coming out. But sonship is not a gender. It's an agenda. It's not a feeling. It's a fact. My son doesn't wake up and say, Daddy, I don't feel like... Shut up. You are a son. So when you fall, and when you sin, and when you, when you fall, you all of a sudden, you start saying, I am a new creature. Say, the thing is not sounding like I'm a creature. Hey, this thing, did they create this thing well? That is when you need faith. This boy told the father, give me. I was thinking about this. Give me what belongs to me. And he took it and went to a far place. Why would a son that has security be looking for insecurity? Why would a son that has stability be looking for instability? Listen, when you don't know what you want or what you need, what you don't have looks like what you want. When you don't know what you need, what you don't have, the grass becomes greener on the other side without knowing it's just plastic. And so this boy did not understand the difference between his source and his resource. And he went to a far place. Grace is the most used and abused gift. It is used, but it can also be abused. Watch this. Of course, you know it's free, but it's not cheap. I thought about this. Pastor Mark, I thought about this. And I thought to myself, this boy told the father, Give me what belongs to me on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. This boy is still at home. Hold on a second. Why did you tell me to? Hold on. I don't understand though. Thank you. What are you doing in my house? Some of you are like, yes, that's what I would have. (laughs) I was thinking about, he says, after many days later, few days later, I said, wait. If you have taken what belongs to you, what are you feeding on? Whose grace are you feeding on? I was looking till God showed me John chapter 116, amplified version. John chapter 116, and people has he has preached the hell out of this. John chapter 1, verse 16. Let's go to the amplified version. Many days later, it says, For out of his fullness, his abundance we have received. All had a share and we were all supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And even favor upon favor. And gift heaped upon gift. So this man said, I don't have a problem with provision. I have a problem with the separation. 
So he took, but he was still around. Take, but you're still around. Because you must understand that the strategy of the enemy is distance. Let me prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians 2 verse 13. I'm ready. Ephesians 2 verse 13. I didn't come all the way from Houston, Texas to look at you. Ephesians 2 verse 13. Ephesians 2 verse 13. It says, and now in Christ, say Payada, Christ Jesus, whom you were once far off, you have been brought near. Somebody say near. You are brought near by the blood of Jesus. Listen, so the enemy's strategy is, is, to, is to place the distance. That's why the Bible says, Hebrews, come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain. Somebody say, obtain. So this young boy obtained and stayed. As long as he obtained and stayed, the father did not say nothing. There was no issues of waste as long as he obtained and stayed. There was no problem. The moment he left, the Bible says he joined himself to another another citizen. Moving from sonship to citizenship. Hold on a second. And by the way, let me, be, let me be very honest. If you look at that text, both the young boy and the older brother, both of them were lost. One was in the field, one was in the country. Distance. And I'm going to prove it to you from, from scripture. Because I began to ask myself, how? And why would... Please sit down, please. Please sit down. Please sit down. He said, well, okay. I don't know what you're giving to these people though. <laughs> do, you, do you realize that while the prodigal son was at home, he never went to the field. He never went to the field. He was not working. He was chilling, receiving, eating. The older brother was outside working for what he already had inside. So, hold on, hold on. So, there are two extremes we have to examine. Let's look at the older brother and the younger brother. Because the older brother is a picture of religion and legalism. Where you say, I have to work for what I have or already have in order to earn it. And the younger brother was a picture of liberalism and and he had rebellion. Where he says, I don't have to obey the rules. And those are the two opposites the enemy would always use. Rebellion and religion. On one hand, you're saying I have to work, 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 work. On the other hand, you're saying I, I, I don't have to. It's not, grace is not a freedom to sin. No, it's a freedom from sin. And, and, and he says I don't have to do anything. Breaking all the laws and living. And those are the two. How can you imagine this guy? One was in the country. And one was in, The father did not know that both of them were lost. Let me ask a question. What is lost? My issue with this is that this boy, the Bible called him lost. But how can you be lost when you know your way home? 
maybe lost doesn't mean when you don't know where you are. Lost is when you don't know who you are and why you are. And so this boy was lost, but when he came to his senses, he says, I will go back to my father. And he went, he knew, he didn't use GPS. He knew exactly where to go to. He was not lost because he didn't know where he was. He was lost because he didn't know who he was. And that's the same thing with the young boy, the young brother and the older brother. Both of them did not know who they were. One was working for what he had. One was wasting what he had already. Rebellion versus religion. <laughs> the father said something. <laughs> the father said, or the brother told the father, I have been working for you. And he said, I have, you have not given, hold on, hold on, hold on. You have not given me? The Bible says he divided unto them. Then all of a sudden, the, the, the older brother is saying, you have not given me anything. Another thing that baffled me about this text. <laughs> Another thing that baffled me about this text is the fact Piflo, do you know that this boy did not want to fellowship with the father? He was actually wanting to fellowship with his friends. He says, you have not given me a kid to go and have party with my friends. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You don't even want to party with me. So you want to take the kid. And that's why when there was a party in the house with the father and the boy, he had a problem. Because he didn't really want to party with the father. He wants to party with the, with the friends. So the father had two. The father had two sons in the house. Lost. One was saying, you did not give me. One was saying, give me everything. One was saying, I'm rebellious. One was saying, I'm religious. And that is where we find ourselves in this text. One says, I have been walking. I have been walking. And God told me to tell you. Good works that is not hinged on the finished works is dead works. Every good works or good work that is not hinged on the finished work is dead works. That's what dead works is. I have been working. I have been working. I have been working. Galatians chapter 5 verse 3 to 4. Let's use the NLT. Galatians chapter 5 verse 3 to 4. I will say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God, being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. The next verse. The next verse. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ and you have fallen away from God's grace. Religion. I want to keep up. I want to keep up. And rebellion saying, shall we continue in sin that grace will abound? Both opposites. As I looked at this text, I began to examine this text critically. And this boy said, I will go back to my father. I'm no longer worthy, worthy to be called your son. He thought he was worthy. He thought he deserved it. He thought he merited it. He thought all of that. I like the fact that his father did not even entertain his conversation. 
He did not even look at how God responds to sin. Offspring, of course. I want to talk about last thing, offset. Everybody say offset. Because what Jesus has done on the cross can offset everything. I always like to say. See, grace does not work for you till you believe you do not, you cannot and you do not work for it. God is not concerned. See, most of us say, I've messed up my plan. God says, God is not surprised that you mess up your plan for yourself. He's concerned because you think that you messing up your plan can mess up his own plan for you. No, grace has a soft spot for people that have a weak spot. So when you don't understand God's perspective, you, it doesn't make sense. I looked at this critically. And before we begin to talk about the party and the lavish and everything that happened, it's important to understand something. That the father looked at him and had compassion. Everybody say compassion. <laughs> the father looked at him and had compassion. I want to tell you something about compassion. Because we talk about grace, but if there is no mercy, there can be no grace. Because mercy has to say no before grace can say yes. Look at this. <laughs> I, I, I gave them a picture. I don't know if they have it. A picture of the mercy seat. I don't know if you can put it up. If you don't have it, that's fine. I, is it? Okay, perfect. You know, Jesus is our mercy seat. And you know something about mercy or compassion. Let me tell you something about mercy or compassion. The Bible lets us know that the mercy seat is made of gold. Right? Pure gold. Pure gold. Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians 2.4 that talks about the riches of God's mercies. But keep, keep this for a second. This pure gold, what is inside this ark? The tablets, the commandments, the rules, the regulations, all of that. And God says, I want you to take all of that. Put it inside the mercy seat and cover it with the mercy seat. Put everything inside the ark and cover it with the mercy seat. So when I see, I don't look at their sins. I don't look at the judgment. I don't look at the law. I look at the mercy seat. And I want to show you something. The Bible talks about God being rich in mercy. I don't know if it's Ephesians 2, 4. And I was looking at the word rich in mercy. Piflo is from the word pleosis. Where you get the word plutocrat. We're doing an election in Nigeria, right? Aha. So, so you see, a plutocrat is someone that woos you over with an abundance of what they have. In other words, you are in which party? Ah. You want to come to our own party. I just Pluto, I just give you some things. And when I give you some things, you move and you change party. You step down. What God is saying is that when I want to step you down, when I want to woo you into another party, what I use is mercy. Because God is rich in mercy. So God is saying that I know what you did, but the problem I have is that my mercy is new every morning. So even if you don't finish the mercy you had for yesterday, and by the way, the mercy never comes to an end. So it's not just new, it never comes to an end. So every day, there is a new dose of mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy and compassion. So before there was an abundance of paddy and surplus, there was an abundance of mercy. That's why the Bible says, Hebrews 4, come boldly to the throne of grace. So you can obtain. Somebody say obtain. obtain. This boy knew these scriptures. Oh. 
So he decided, he says, I'm going to come back home. The father saw him. I like the fact that the father's house did not change. What would have happened if the father changed address? I like the fact that the father did not change address. The father was where he was. The boy came back home. Because it's of the lost mercies that we are not consumed. The father recognized him. Even in his sin, in his mess, in his smell, in everything he was going through and everything he had been through, the father could still see his son. It doesn't matter what from afar. It doesn't matter what you have been through. It doesn't matter. You can make mistakes. And when you make mistakes, God does not pick on your mistakes. He picks you up when you make mistakes. He doesn't pick, he doesn't pick on your mistakes. He picks you up. And most of us have made mistakes. God does not look at you. He has, he, ha, he has memory loss when it comes to that because of the blood of Jesus. This is why I was coming back home. And he was hearing sounds. The father did not even wait for him to come to the house. The boy says, make me. How can he make you? When you were already made. A son. How can? What would have happened if the prodigal son met his brother on his way back? The problem with the church today is that we always meet the elder brother on our way back. And that's why I thank God for the logic church. Because there are no older brothers here. Because what would have happened if that boy met the brother coming back? So where are you going to? He blocked the road. Go back to where you came from. And <laughs> I got to get out of here. <laughs> I would say this and I'm, I'm going to wrap up. I was talking about this with people a couple of months back and I said, you know, this boy remembered how prodigal the father was. In fact, it was his father's prodigality that brought him back home. How much, thank you, the prodigal, how did you, what do you say, sir? It is the prodigal father in the prodigal son that brought the prodigal son. He sat there and said, hold on a second. I know my father, we, we waste things. We share, we, we are pleosis, we are plutocrats. There is an abundance of, there is surplus. Good measure, pressed down. Everywhere. So why am I here begging? And why? Is the father's plutocrat? He was like, how can I be here starving? I'm better than this. How can I be here looking for bread? I'm better than this. So he remembered the father's mercies that never comes to an end. He remembered the father's grace. It is of the lost mercies that we are not consumed. And that's where I want to pick this message today. That wherever you are and whatever you have done, God says, I still see you. I know what you have done. But I see you through a different lens. God says, because I cannot help but I am a plutocrat. I am rich in mercy. When I want to buy your votes, I don't give you cars. I don't give you houses. I give you mercies. I give you mercy. My mercy is new every morning. My grace is sufficient for you. That's what I give because I am gracious. I want to talk to every prodigal son that has gone far. Online or just 
in the house. And you say, you don't know what I've done. And I did this. And I did that. And I did this. And God is saying, first of all, I don't change my address. I'm going to be here waiting for you. But the moment you take the first step, I'm going to take the next step. And God is saying, even before you come in, I'm going to meet you outside. I'm going to meet you outside. I'm going to change. I'm going to do all of that before you come in. Because the stench of your robe cannot stop me. I'm going to come for you. I need you to understand wherever you are under the sound of my voice. You were a son before you became prodigal. You were a son before what, what, anything about your past. You cannot change. It's not a limitation. It's just information. Don't make your past an excuse to fail. Make it a reason to succeed. I want to talk to all the prodigal sons today. And that's why I came. I came to let you know that you are better than this. Think about your father and think about where you came from. You are an offspring. Yes, you went off course. But what Jesus did on the cross can offset everything you have ever done before. Everything. Everything you have ever done. And Logic Church, I came all the way to let you know that no matter what you've done, before they put a label on you, God put his name on you. God put his signature on you. God put his seal on you. And just in case that is enough, God is saying that, no, see, I, I like the scripture that says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let's leave that one. But when you are in Christ, how can you be quoting that scripture for Christ? No weapon formed against Christ. Think about it now. You know, it's easy to quote all those scriptures. But when you think about the fact that my life is hid in Christ, sometimes you don't even have, those scriptures become like juniors. You begin to quote the scriptures when you don't understand that you're in Christ. And God is saying in Christ, which means proximity. Come back home. Oneness. Not just covenant. I love your logic. Let's stand up on our feet. I'm going to talk to all the offsprings, all the sons on the house. You are a son. That's the best revelation you can have. That you are a son. I, I know what I did, but I'm a son. I, I know what they said, but I'm a son. I know what happened, but I'm a son. I, because I was predestined to become a son before each and every of that thing happened. I'm going to talk to all the lies. There is therefore now, 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 now. Now, I like the word now because yesterday is yesterday, but now is now. So I did it now is now. I did it tomorrow is now. I did it, it's now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Everybody lift up your hands. Father, I speak over everyone under the sound of my voice. Everything and everyone that has been lost. I thank you, Lord Jesus, because right now they are seen through the lens of grace. And they understand that they can come back home. Because your mercies never comes to an end. And your mercy is new every morning. I thank you for this church. Of the increase. Of the increase of this kingdom. Of this church. There will be no end. I speak over Pastor Flourish. And Pastor Amak. I speak over them. I speak to this region. That their voice will have an echo. That men and women are coming from the east. From the west. From the north from the south.
that you will spread their influence. That Holy Ghost, you will be their publicist. Holy Spirit, you will be their chief publicist. And Lord, you will spread their influence effortlessly. As they speak about your grace, Lord Almighty, people will come from the ends of the earth. You fill this place, not just with people, but fill this place with your glory. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. And look at your neighbor and tell them I'm better than this.